Coming up on the Rami Lavie podcast, episode 108. The Jets invent ways to lose against the Patriots. They did it again. I'm not very happy. Zach Wilson had his worst game of his career, and Jets fans are not happy about that. The Giants also lose, so both locals lose. The Knicks also lost to Cleveland and Donovan Mitchell. So big loser day for the New York sports teams. We also talked about all the other games around the NFL. Plus, we preview tonight's Monday night football game and game three of the World Series between Houston and Philly. All that and a lot more coming up on the Rami Levy podcast. One of the things I talk about on this podcast a lot is the stigma against mental health. I think, unfortunately, there has been a stigma, but we're slowly breaking it. And if you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, or maybe you just want to talk to someone, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help access your specific needs and then you get matched with a therapist in another 48 hours plus you can exchange unlimited text messages and everything you share is completely confidential so i talk about on this podcast how your mindset towards things changes everything one of the things that i learned in therapy was that join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced better help therapist get 10 percent off your first month at betterhelp.com rami that's my first name that's betterhelp b-e-t-t-e-r H-E-L-P dot com slash R-A-M-I, my first name, Rami. If you use that link, the link is in the description, in the podcast notes. If you use that link, you'll get 10% off and it'll also help me out. So please do that. I'm telling you it's worth it. Do it today. Welcome back to the Rami V podcast, episode 108. It is presented as always by BetterHelp. If you're new here, I appreciate you listening, giving this podcast a chance. If you are returning, of course, as always, thank you for listening. And if you have turned on any friends to the podcast, uh, that's greatly appreciated. That's how we grow by you guys liking, subscribing, uh, and sharing it with your friends. If you like what you hear here, definitely uh, please share it. Uh, It's greatly appreciated on my end. Okay. um, If you listen to me talk on this podcast, you know what the open is going to be about. a lot of times I don't go necessarily in the order that uh, of my favorite teams because I feel like sometimes that's not the best thing to do because the podcast at the end of the day is not for me. It's for the listener. But at the same time, when I can be passionate about something, that's when I feel the most authentic version of whatever I'm trying to do here uh, comes out. And so I'm authentic when I'm passionate. And like I said, in this case, that's the Jets, and that's what happened on Sunday, and it's what, as the game crept closer and closer, you, you kind of feared as a Jets fan would happen, um, and am I overly shocked by it? No. Am I surprised? Maybe a little bit. Am I disappointed? Of course I'm disappointed. I'm, I'm upset, but even on uh, yesterday, I was on 105.7 The Fan, really the last two and a half hours with Glenn and Rita from about 5 to 7.30 p.m., And we were talking about the Jets game because, like I said, that's what I could be passionate about. Even if I'm on the fan in Baltimore talking Baltimore sports, I'm still going to bring up my Jets and somehow figure out a way to get them involved because that's that's what I could talk about passionately. That's what I could talk about and be authentic, like I said. Um, And it's disappointing, but we said the same thing where it's not shocking. As you got closer to the week 
after we got closer to the game. And even on Friday's podcast, yes, I did take the Jets, and we'll get to that in a second. But as he got closer to the game, it felt like the blackout, everyone talking about the fans need to be in there on time, early, everything that went into this game, you felt like in typical Bill Belichick and Patriots fashion, the Jets were going to find a way to cost themselves this game. The Jets were going to find a way to lose this game because that's what they do against the Patriots. They've been doing it since 2015 for 13 consecutive games. They've been doing it longer than that, trust me. But since 2015, they haven't lost a game or haven't won a game against the Patriots. And it's what they continuously do. It's what this franchise done. And yeah, it pisses me off. It upsets me. So why am I going to come on here and talk about it? Because that's what, like I said, is going to upset me. And it started with everything I talked about on Friday's podcast came to fruition. It's not like I was terribly wrong about anything I said. The Jets sacked Mac Jones six times. They picked him off. Should have been twice. It was once. We'll get to why they didn't pick him off the second time. But the Jets invent ways to lose, especially when you're talking about the Patriots. Belichick, after a Monday night humiliation, was not going to lose to this Jets team. And the Jets found a way to lose. And CJ Mosley said in the press conference today that that was the biggest thing that stood out. It's not that the Jets lost this game because they were outplayed terribly. They invented ways to lose. And everything before the game was telling me that that's what would happen again because that's just the DNA of this franchise. And everything, like I said, the 12 in a row going into this game. Bill Belichick after a Monday night humiliation. The Jets feeling high and feeling good about themselves, which is never a good sign. All that, everything was telling me to take the Jet, the Patriots in this game. And yet I still went ahead and took the Jets because I thought maybe this team was different. We've seen different things from this team this year that we've seen in the past. And I was wrong. I mean... There's no other way to look at it. I was wrong. My, I should have trusted my instincts. I was way off. The Patriots came in there, and they didn't dominate. They didn't do what you know, you'd expect the Patriots to do, but it was exactly typical Jets where you invent ways to lose games. The Jets, this team, is more talented. They are a better team than the Patriots. I can say that with 100% certainty after watching yesterday's game. They are. It's, there's no two ways about it, but the Jets find ways to lose. They find ways to beat themselves and they did it again on Sunday and it's just it sucks and I wish I would have talked about it last night after the game but I was exhausted after working for seven and a half hours after playing football in the morning I got home I had to get to sleep so here we are on a Monday and we haven't had this in a while we had a bunch of victory Mondays in a row and all those victories covered the warts and early on the first few games I talked about how this team has warts and this team is driving me insane. But then I said, stop, you have to enjoy this. This team hasn't done this in a while. Don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be such a Jets fan about this. Look at what your team's doing. They're five and two. Be happy. Why are you always angry? Why are you always upset that this team is losing or making mistakes or doing what they do? But all those warts were covered up and I said to enjoy it. But so far, and even in every win, in every game this season through eight games, the Jets have found a way to screw up the end of the half, but none as badly as this week. The Jets had an opportunity. They got an 83-yard pick six that would have put them up 17-3 to at that point in the game. Yeah, the Pats would have gotten the ball back to start the second half, but you're up 17-3. to All you're going to ask Zach Wilson to do the rest of the game is to cruise, and you could have won that game. Mac Jones in this Pats offense is not very good. Instead, John Franklin Myers... With a late hit, another week, another late hit from John Franklin Myers. He's good for one of those a week at this point. 
and how the coaching staff has not coached that out of him. This is a guy who got a big contract from the Jets last year and deserved it. He earned that contract because he's played so well. But how the coaching staff and how this player cannot get it through his brain that he cannot make that mistake week over week and none hurt them more than this, not only for this game, because yes, instead of being up 17-3, by the time they got the ball back, the Pats scored on that drive and then they score coming out of the half by the time Zach Wilson got the ball back in his hands. The Jets were now down 13-10 to instead of being up 17-3. And if you look at the bigger picture, because that's in one game, but if the Jets had won this game, they had an 80% chance of making the playoffs at 6-2. and two. But at 5-3 and three with their upcoming schedule, their playoff chances, their playoff odds are now at 40%. So this John Franklin Meyer hit, this end of the first half and how they screwed it up, we talked about it throughout the first seven weeks of the season. But we said, okay, well, they're winning, so you can't complain. But because they didn't clean it up, and this is what I said. I said winning gives you an opportunity to clean up these mistakes. But because you didn't clean up these mistakes, now you're in a position where this actually really costs you. And by 40% chance to make the playoffs, you dropped by 40% chance to make the playoffs because you lost this game. And it's because of how you handled the end of the first half. It's because of this John Franklin Meyer hits that took off a pick six off the board. Would have been 17-3. And then... You look at this game overall, and you look at the warts that we talked about and those that were covered up, they couldn't get stops on third downs. Yeah, it was a bend-but-don't-break defense. And like I said, uh, Mac Jones essentially beat himself a lot of this game. But the bad penalties, holding, always putting Zach Wilson behind the sticks, having to make huge plays on second and third down. They missed a field goal. They had a punt that went about 20 yards. The special teams didn't show up today. Nobody showed up. They found a way to beat themselves. The fact that this game was only 22-17 to 17 is astonishing. It's amazing because that's how bad the Patriots are. That's how bad this Patriots roster is. And that's what I told you before the game, that despite all the things we know about Jets-Patriots history, despite all the things we know about Bill Belichick, I just didn't think the Patriots had the roster this year to beat the Jets. But seeing this performance from the Jets reminds me that they don't need to get beat. All you need to do is just wait long enough for the Jets to beat themselves, and they did. And Zach Wilson, by the way, because everyone wants to talk about him. He was in a groove. He was playing well. He was actually in a really good spot in this game. And then everything changed. When he comes out of the half at that situation, all of a sudden he's down and he feels like he needs to be making plays. And Bill Belichick tells his defense, pin your ears back and go get him. Because at this point, it doesn't matter, right? We're just going to rush the quarterback. We're up three already. Whereas if the Jets were up 17-3, even if the Patriots score coming out of the half and the Jets are up 17-10, at the worst, at worst, it's 17-10. You're just asking Zach Wilson to hold a touchdown lead. And that's the game plan. But all of a sudden, he feels like he needs to be making plays. And instead of being in a groove, because after an hour of him not having the ball, instead of being a groove, which he was in that second quarter, he was fantastic in the second quarter yesterday. All of a sudden, he feels like he needs to be making plays and he's forcing things. And that's what all the mistakes were, forcing plays. You saw him rolling out and throwing it down the sideline a couple of times. Force throw after force throw after force throw. It was insane what Zach, Zach Wilson, and this is what Boomer Sison talked about this morning. There's a cockiness to him, which you want your starting quarterback to be confident. But when there's a cockiness and an arrogance where you feel like you can make every play on the field and all these big plays because he made a big throw where he rolled out to Corey Davis last year, obviously against the Titans, or even earlier in this game, he did the same thing uh, with Garrett Wilson. All of a sudden, you think every play needs to be that play. It's just not true. Just play within your game. And that's also coaching. And there are so many holes on this coaching. And I see 
everything that we saw, whether it's from Wilson, whether it's from John Franklin Myers, whether it's from the defense, the special teams, to me, it falls on coaching because there's talent on this team. And we're going to hear all the Zach Wilson haters coming out after this week, Dan Orlovsky saying he has to grow up. And I agree with that. I agree with what Dan said. Everyone hating on Zach Wilson right now, I saw on Twitter, um, people calling for Mike White, Jets fans calling for Mike White, which is just, again, it's just insult to injury. It's salt in the wound, whatever you want to call it, all these things. And this is typical Jets because you're five and three, right? Eight games in. If you would have told me before the season, five and three, eight games in. But now the the way the Jets fans are looking at this already, it's panic time. Zach Wilson stinks. He's 18 games in his career and he's, he's terrible. And it's hard to argue with these Jets fans because that was one of the worst games I've seen from a quarterback. And it was an awful, awful game and really just an awful second half because the first half, like I said, really not that bad. Especially that second quarter was pretty good. But it's an awful, awful second half. You can't have a second half like that. Trying to throw out the ball out of bounds and getting picked off on not once but twice on the same play. Like, how do you how does that happen? How do you do that if you're Zach Wilson? And so all the Zach Wilson haters are coming out of the woodworks now. And I'm just curious because I keep talking about the coaching, how Brian Dable would handle it. Because we saw the first week against Tennessee. After Daniel Jones in year four made a terrible decision, we saw Daniel uh, Dable, I should say, chewing him out on the sideline right after that play. And then it hasn't happened again. Daniel Jones has not made a bad decision like that. Yeah, maybe you miss a throw. That's different than making an idiotic, dumb, arrogant, stupid decision. And we're seeing it time and time again from Zach Wilson. And we're seeing it time and time again from John Franklin Myers and from everyone on this football team. And so that's on coaching to coach it out of them. And this, this one loss, could turn the entire Jet season that we were optimistic about around. Like I said, you're 5-3 and three after eight games. I would have taken it, right? 5-3 and three is not bad. It's pretty good, especially when you expected this team to be worse. Zach Wilson's 4-1 and one on the season. They had, didn't have a starting quarterback the first couple of weeks. They went into Lambeau and won. But now you could start looking at all those wins and you could start picking them apart. You beat Denver without Russell Wilson. You beat... Green Bay in Green Bay, but Green Bay stunk this year. A last-second comeback win a couple of times, right? Now you start to pick those up, up apart. You beat Miami with no starting quarterback. And before you look up, the Jets' next three weeks, they have the Bills at home, then a bye week, and then they're in New England. We could be easily looking at 5-5 five and five in a downward spiral. And this is where this coaching staff and this locker room and the leadership on this team and the veterans in that room have to pull everyone together and get it right because it could spiral out of control real quick and it looks like it's headed in that direction and you have to stop it right now you can't get blown out by the bills next week after the bye week you have to go into new england and win i'm sorry but you put yourself in a position where you have to go into new england and win the bills maybe they're overlooking you coming off a big sunday night win at home against the green bay packers they didn't look that great. They didn't look like that crazy good team against the Packers. I don't know. Figure out a way to right the ship because it has to happen right now or we're looking at a disaster. And Elijah Moore's comments after the game, this is starting to feel like typical Jets. When all Jets fans say, oh, why can't we have nice things? When all Jets fans are complaining and all Jets fans are being pessimistic and negative and people like myself were saying, how could you be so negative? Just be positive. Be happy for once. This is why. Elijah Moore, after the game, they asked him about his on-field chemistry with Zach Wilson. And he said, what chemistry? He doesn't throw me the ball. I don't know. It's not getting better. 
This is getting worse and worse. So I got that pick wrong. I'm one on one of my picks. You go across town to the Giants, who also lost and are 6-2 and two now, and it's a completely different story. All of a sudden, you still feel confident about that team. I haven't listened to the fan yet today. I mentioned I saw Boomer said a couple of things, but I haven't listened to the fan. I imagine that the talk today is mostly centered around the Jets because negativity sells. And I imagine that the way they're talking about the Jets' loss and the way they're talking about the Giants' loss are in totally two complete, completely different lights. The Jets lost. It's panic time. It's the sky is falling. The season is over, like I just talked about. And for the Giants, it's probably, hey, you're going to lose some. They're 6-2 and two now. We know this team isn't incredibly talented. They traveled across the country to Seattle. They still were in this game. And you lost to a team that's better than you. You got beat. The Jets beat themselves. The Giants did not. You got beat by a team that's good. And that's crazy to say, but Geno Smith and this Seattle team is good. It's still hard to win in Seattle. It's hard to win up there with all those crazy fans still loud there. And Geno Smith, I mean, I said it yesterday. He's going to get paid. They were talking about this, that he's going to get paid by someone in free agency. And I was like, maybe the Jets should get him back. Isn't that typical Jets? The guy that they just let go, maybe it was seven, eight years ago at this point, but they let him go. And now he's balling out in Seattle, a team that was supposed to be a three-win team. And you're still trying to figure out the quarterback position. You're already two quarterbacks removed from Geno Smith, and you're still trying to figure it out. And he's going out there and having a career year. And shout out to my father because he said Geno bounce back season this year. And I was like, bounce back from what? He hasn't played in eight years. He hasn't been a starting quarterback. He stinks. And my father was right. He was 23 of 34 yesterday at 238 total yards, two touchdowns and no picks. Geno Smith is balling out right now for Seattle. They're 5-3, and three, and Pete Carroll is kind of reclaiming his legacy because his legacy was tarnished. There's no doubt. After the interception in the Super Bowl, it felt like the Pete Carroll legacy had not been the same, and this team has been bad. And it's like, why is this team so bad? Russell Wilson's a good quarterback. Well, with Russell Wilson playing the way he's playing and Denver playing the way they're playing, and Geno Smith and what this Seattle team, with this roster, not the most talented roster in the league by any stretch, what they're doing with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is reclaiming his legacy. He's in first place in an NFC West that has the defending Super Bowl champions and the 49ers who went to the NFC Championship game last year and Arizona who was supposed to be pretty good. I never thought they'd be that great, but they're supposed to be pretty good. And he's the one leading the division right now at 5-3. and three. He's got Geno Smith playing like this. He's got this defense playing like this. Yeah, that's a pretty good legacy builder for Pete Carroll, I'd say. Daniel Jones in this game, different than Zach Wilson. He was pedestrian. He was average. You're allowed to have pedestrian average games. We didn't hate, at least on this podcast, when Zach Wilson was average, we didn't hate on him. When he had the game against Denver, we didn't hate on him. When he had the game against Pittsburgh, we didn't hate on him. Any of those games, Green Bay, we didn't call him out. We didn't say he's terrible. We just said we don't know yet. We haven't seen too much from him yet. That's what Daniel Jones did. Yeah, he's in year four. Zach Wilson's in year two. We know that. Zach Wilson has only played 18 games in his career. But staying healthy is part of being a franchise quarterback, is staying healthy and being on the field for your team. So you lose 27-13, to 13, which feels like a tough loss. You lose by two touchdowns. And yet a 27-13 to 13 loss feels like a win compared to the Jets' 22-17 five-point loss at home. That's how crazy it is. I did get that pick wrong, though, as well. Uh, so one and two overall. Thursday night football, I got right. I got the Jets and Giants both wrong. 
I did think both those teams would win. Uh, they didn't. The locals both lose. But like I said, it's two co- totally, completely different stories for the two locals. As the Giants, you're still pretty confident about where this team is and where they can be and end up at the end of the season. The Jets, obviously, uh, you got to be down in the dumps if you're a Jets fan. Moving on, we'll start with the London game as I'll run through the rest of the slate of the games. I'm also going to tell you how I feel about the teams about the halfway point of the season-ish. So I'll give you my football tiers, my NFL tiers. I haven't done this in a while, uh, and I don't think I'm going to have a chance to do it on Tuesday or Wednesday. I should say Wednesday's episode. So uh, I'm going to run through the tiers of the NFL teams. But before that, we'll run through the games. Like I said, Denver was in London against Jacksonville, and I got this one right. I actually took Denver because I thought Jacksonville was overhyped. Jacksonville, I think, was favored by three and a half in this game, which doesn't make sense to me because this Jacksonville team, as much as everyone talks them up, what are they, two and six now? They're not a very good football team, and everyone keeps talking about how great this Jacksonville team is and expecting them to be really good, but they just haven't been that, and I like their head coach, and we haven't seen anything, though, from Trevor Lawrence, and you look at Lawrence and Wilson, those two guys, the first two picks in that draft, not very good. Um... Russell Wilson just continues to be the worst, at least in my opinion. Russell Wilson right now, um, after the game, just going, Broncos country, let's ride. As if he did something. Like, you won. You finally won a game. He is such such a fraud. Like, before the game, you see him, like, standing there. He knows the cameras are around him, and he's standing there with his arms out and his eyes closed, like, as if he's feeling the stadium. And, like, every single thing he does at this point is just so fraudulent. He makes LeBron James look authentic. And nothing. Nothing. And I'm actually wearing the sweatshirt. Authenticity, authenticity always wins. Um, nothing irks me more than like fraudulent. And, and you could ask anyone who knows me. I just hate lack of sincerity. I just hate just fake. I hate all that stuff. That stuff irks me more than anything else in the world. And Russell Wilson is all of those things right now. That's what bothers me about LeBron. And I like LeBron as a player on the court. Specifically, he's a great player. Obviously, one of the greatest all-time, one or two, right, in the NBA. But Russell Wilson, there's no way his teammates right now, and you see what's happening in the rest of the NFL with the Justin Tucker video that came out on Thursday night after their win where he's making fun of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is a laughingstock. And how unaware can you be that you continue to do it when you're a laughingstock of the league right now? Your teammates, there's no way they're buying in. They're probably laughing at you behind your back. If the rest of the league is laughing at you, your teammates are probably laughing at you too. And that's that can't be a good thing for this Denver team. This is two bad teams. Daniel Hackett, or Nathaniel Hackett, I should say, probably saved his job for another week uh, with a win. But I got that right only out of thinking that Jacksonville was that bad. But, um, but Denver gets the win 21-17 in a London game that, like many other London games, was pretty bad. Maybe the game of the day back on the United States side, and definitely in the early games, was Atlanta against Carolina. And it's weird to think that this was the game of the day, because I'll tell you, these two teams are awful. This game was actually bad. These two divi- this division, the entire division, everyone in this division is awful. But DJ Moore takes a 15-yard penalty on a misconduct penalty after scoring a game-tying touchdown, which is one of the best throws you'll see in the NFL. It just kind of goes to show you everyone in this league has talent and how much talent they have so saying that Zach Wilson can make all the throws and I hate to bring every stupid thing back to the Jets it's not a good enough excuse anymore because PJ Walker who was playing in the XFL threw a 30 from his own 35 yard line threw a bomb on a dime in between two defenders to DJ Moore and they win that game if it's not for a stupid penalty and that's when you look at teams you say bad coached and they don't have a head coach so you can't really blame them but poorly coached undisciplined and that's what irks me more than anything else in the nfl 
They missed the extra point because it's a 50-yard extra point after a 15-yard uh, penalty. And then they lose the game in overtime. Like, that is just typical Atlanta 37, Carolina 34. And we thought Atlanta was pretty good, but you can't give that up. They had control this game this entire time. And maybe when Cordero Patterson comes back, they'll be a little bit better. But how do you how are you even in that position? if you're Atlanta uh, in that type of game. So that kind of made me look at Atlanta worse because I, like I said, the line was six and a half. So I got this one wrong because I took Atlanta to cover because I thought Carolina was that bad. But um, who's going to win this division? Like right now, who's the best team in this division? To seven and 10 win this division? I- I'm not sure. Next game was Dallas and Chicago. And so right now, if you're those keeping score at home, I'm two and three of my picks. I got that one wrong. I got Denver wrong, right. I got Thursday night right, but I also got the two local teams wrong. Just keeping score here. And in this game, I was kind of right because Chicago didn't look that bad. I did get it wrong overall because Dallas ended up winning 49 to 29, which is a blowout, 20-point blowout. But I told you what I thought about Pollard. I did not realize that Zeke was not going to be playing. Uh, But Pollard gets the start. He has three touchdowns, a million yards. And it's exactly what I said. When they can lean on Pollard, he's actually the better running back at this point. But then again, there goes Jerry Jones after the game saying that Zeke, when he's healthy, is going to be a huge part of this team. Now they might leave him out a couple more weeks, wait for Pollard to cool off, kind of like what they did with their starting quarterback. But leave it to the Cowboys and Jerry Jones. They actually have a really good team. And if you look at this team, you can say, is this team legit? This defense is so good. Micah Parsons is a game wrecker. Like, we don't have game wreckers in the NFL other than Aaron Donald the last few years on the defensive side of the ball that can completely control a football game. And I've talked about this for years with Aaron Donald. It's really the quarterback position, and that's about it. And a guy on the defensive side of the ball, a linebacker, is controlling games with what he's doing. And Micah Parsons, it's truly, truly impressive. And yet you still have the controversies. The quarterback controversy, although Dak has played well the last couple weeks since coming back. But there was still that controversy there. And now it's with the running back. And you know Jerry Jones is always going to go with the guy who he's paying more. That's how it's been with him. And because he's given all that money to Zeke, Pollard's still going to either be splitting touches or getting less touches than Zeke. And that's just a fact. So whenever Zeke Elliott comes back, I would expect Pollard's workload to get cut in half, at least. But we've seen in this game that Pollard is a really, really good running back in this league. And he's capable of being a number one running back for sure. And definitely being the number one running back on Dallas. But how far can this team go? With a controversy at quarterback, with a controversy at running back... The head coach, we don't know how great he is. The talent on this team will win them enough games to catapult them into the playoffs. Maybe they go to the division round. Do they lose in the division round? Then at that point, what do you do? Do you fire Mike McCarthy? Like, where is what is this team destined for? I'm not sure. But a 49-29 to 29 win, they'll take it. That's a huge win for Dallas against the Chicago Bears. Next up, we have Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. And this was an easy one for me. A.J. Brown gets three touchdowns. Pittsburgh stinks. And I told you, Pittsburgh is so bad. And Philly wins 35-13. to And people are still kind of asking the question, we know Philly is good, but how good is Philly? Because does Pittsburgh stink that much that they made Philly look like a really good Super Bowl contender in this game? We know Philly is 7-0. and I believe they are of the Super Bowl contenders. And who's better than them right now in the NFC? There's not a lot of teams in the NFC that are really good at football. Like, if you look at the teams in the NFC that are supposed to be really good, the Bucks not good at all. Green Bay, not good at all. San Francisco looks like they're turning it around, and we'll talk about them a little bit later, but they're 4-4 four and four still. So you have a team that's 7-0. They're in, a, I guess, the toughest division. Another thing I talked about on the radio yesterday, Dallas is really good. The Giants are really good. Philly's really good, right? 
So you look at Philly, and maybe there are some holes on this team in various different places, but I think they're still the best team in the NFC. Are they a Super Bowl winning contender? I don't know. Maybe it's just a product of the AFC being so much better than the NFC because I think we do have more Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. I'm not sure. Um, but right now, as long as they're winning, got to take them seriously. Does that mean that they're going to go undefeated the rest of the season? Probably not. But they're 7-0 and they look really good doing it. By the way, a weird story that came out about this today. A.J. Brown tweeted about it. He was randomly, quote-unquote, drug tested today by the NFL after having a game where he had three touchdowns and looked absolutely unstoppable. And now he gets a random, like I said, air quotes, drug test from the NFL. He was not too happy about that, and I can't blame him. Another pick I got right was Miami beating Detroit 31-27, although this game, I thought it would be a blowout for Miami. Even in Detroit, they only win by four. The line was three and a half, so I just barely covered. But it's kind of a feisty performance by Detroit, right? They have a big lead early, and then they almost win the game, right? They only lose by four. So this is typical Lions, classic Lions. Also, the Lions owner recently came out and expressed her uh, expressed her full confidence in Dan Campbell. And you know when that happens? That means that's the last step before the head coach is ultimately fired. So Dan Campbell, who won over the hearts of America on Hard Knocks this year, sounds like it's not going to be long before he's not the head coach of the Detroit Lions anymore. But typical Lions, they find a way to lose this game despite the big lead. Am I super impressed by Miami in this game? No, not entirely. I thought Miami had the week to work it out already with Tua coming back. I thought they'd be better. They still put up 31 points, but Detroit's defense has done worse against better. I didn't think Miami should have gotten down that many points in this game. I thought it should have been a blowout all along. Still, I get the win with my pick, and Miami gets the big win over Detroit. Minnesota and Arizona, another game that a lot of people were taking Arizona in. I don't understand why. Um, Arizona, like I said, I don't think they're a very good team. People thought coming into the season that they were a good team, but I wasn't one of them. Minnesota wins 34-26. That doesn't mean that Minnesota is a great team, but one thing you know about Minnesota is that Kirk Cousins on 1 p.m. is unstoppable. He turns into the best quarterback in the league. He was 24-36, 254 total yards, three total touchdowns, two passing, one rushing. Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook had maybe his best game of the season. And Kyler Murray, he is the hope for Arizona. And this is why people take them because, and I talked about this earlier in the year, that at the end of the day, talent wins in this league and he is so beyond talented, but he's chaos. He throws the two interceptions and he was also the leading rusher for this team, 36 yards. Like that's not good enough that your leading rusher was your quarterback with 36 yards. Not very good. And He's chaos. He can make these huge plays, but he's kind of like Zach Wilson in that way where he thinks every play needs to be that huge play and he runs around, ends up throwing the two interceptions and maybe costing them the game in a game that was pretty close, 34-16, but Minnesota still wins and covers. Another game that we talked about, and it's another team from out west against a team from the NFC South that we told you about, and New Orleans wins 24-0. Is this the Andy Dalton comeback season? Because we know he was named the starting quarterback. They said that Jameis Winston is ready to go and Andy Dalton is still going to be the starting quarterback. And they might be the best team at this point in the NFC South with Andy Dalton. They still mix in a lot of Taysom Hill, which I love, but they're three and five. They're three and five and they might be the best team in that division. It's hard to get a shutout in the NFL and they shut him out. That was a pretty good job by New Orleans against the Las Vegas Raiders. And by the way, it's hard to get shut out as hard as it is to pitch a shutout in the NFL. It's hard to get shut out. This Raiders team, I thought they'd be good. A lot of people thought they were still good. I guessed this one wrong because I still had the Raiders. I was like, yeah, no, they're not this bad. 
They were favored in this game. I thought New Orleans was really bad. They went 24 to nothing. And Josh Jacobs, I kind of took the L last week where I was like, maybe he is this good. But I'm back. No, Josh Jacobs is not this good. I'm happy to say. I'm happy to report. Josh Jacobs is back to reality. Maybe because they were getting blown out. They didn't run it as much. I don't know. I was working yesterday. I didn't catch the full uh, New Orleans against Las Vegas game, if I'm being honest. That wasn't one of those riveting games that was on one of the five TVs in front of me. A game that was kind of riveting. Pretty boring, actually, for the most part. It was one of the afternoon games, the late afternoon games. Um, And I did get it right. was Tennessee against Houston. A pretty boring football game, but Derrick Henry remains king. I mean, 32 rushing attempts. Malik Willis, who started at quarterback for Tennessee, you knew once he was starting at quarterback, Tannehill was not there. They're starting quarterback. So Tannehill throws the ball max 18 times a game, right? That's how much they trust him. With the backup quarterback, yeah, they weren't going to throw the ball a lot. They didn't. He threw it only 10 times. He was 6 for 10. That's all he needed to do. They ran the ball with 32 times with Derrick Henry. And like I said, Derrick Henry remains king. His last four games against Houston, he has 892 yards and nine touchdowns in four games. That's insanity. He's averaging over 200 yards a game against Houston. Their last four times they played against each other and over two touchdowns a game in those games. Unreal. And like we said, Mike Vrabel is a winning coach. So we talked about this early in the season when they were struggling, I guess. What were they? 0-2 and they were playing the Packers and both teams were 1-2, and something like that. And we're like, which team, which one of these two teams is going to pull themselves out of it? Or maybe they were both 0-1 at that point. And somebody's like, well, look at Mike Vrabel. He's a pretty good coach. He can coach pretty good. Um, and right now they're sitting at 5-2 and two and they look pretty good. They look like they're going to win that division and won't be particularly close as Indianapolis looks like a mess. And we'll get to them in a minute. Also, Houston, not very good. They just beat up on Houston without their starting quarterback. And obviously, we talked about them. Jacksonville, overhyped, overrated. It looks like Tennessee is the team to be in that division. And again, they'll probably end up as a division winner, top three seed, like we talked about. Does that mean they're going to go far in the playoffs? Probably not. Is the AFC way better than the NFC, it seems like, this year? Probably. So if they were the NFC, maybe they'd be the best team in the NFC. But that's not how that works, unfortunately. Mike Vrabel, he has his team prepared. He has a game plan similar to Brian Dable, what we talked about with them. When their starting quarterback goes down, they still have a game plan and have a way to win the game. Same thing for Mike Vrabel. Doesn't have his starting quarterback. Leans on Derrick Henry and wins the game quite easily. Staying in that division and another late game, another game that was a sloppy mess of a game. Indianapolis against Washington. And as I was watching this game, I was like, does the loser of this game's coach automatically get fired? Is this the next coach that's going to be fired in the NFL? And it might be between these two teams. This might be the next coach fired no matter what. But Frank Reich, it's amazing to me. It's Monday at about three o'clock. And it's amazing that Frank Reich hasn't been fired to me yet. Uh, How do you lose that game? How do you cost that self that game? Going to Sam Ellinger was obviously a desperate move for Frank Reich after Matt Ryan. And that didn't go well. He had to make something happen. He had to make a change. It sounded like a cry for help. And then you lose to Washington. I did pick Washington in this game, so I got my pick right. They ultimately win 17-16 to on a crazy last-minute score. Terry McLaurin gets the catch from Taylor Heineke at the end. But for me, Frank Reich has to be gone. And like I said, Ron Rivera, he was on the hot seat, if you ask me, before this game. But Taylor Heineke bails him out. And if I'm the Washington Commanders today, How do you go back to Carson Wentz after this? Look at what Antonio Gibson has done, especially in the passing game since Heineke showed up. Look what Terry McLaurin has done. He was invisible with Carson Wentz, and now all of a sudden he's back to being Terry McLaurin. You cannot go back to Carson Wentz if you're Washington. You just can't do it. And if he does go back to Carson Wentz, 
then he should be fired too, Ron Rivera. So Ron Rivera, who looked like a dead man walking a couple weeks ago when he had that blow up against the media, now he looks like he's back and this team looks like they're actually pretty decent and maybe they can go, I don't know, eight and nine on the season. But only if Taylor Heineke is back there slinging it the way he is, he's going to make some mistakes, but you know he's a gunslinger. He's just going to stand back there, throw a ton of yards. Yeah, I'll throw a couple picks. Maybe he'll make some mistakes. Like I said, he'll probably have a fumble here and there, but he's getting the offense involved and it's just it looks like a different offense with him out there than with Carson Wentz. As far as the Colts getting back to them for a second, Frank Reich, I don't know how he keeps his job. He won't last the season, in my opinion. And now it's just a question is, does the next head coach like, okay, now I go back to Matt Ryan. Like, how does it work now? Is the next head coach going to tell you, okay, I go back to Matt Ryan because he was the starting quarterback of this team. And that crazy guy who got fired went to Sam Ellinger. I don't know why he did. And Ellinger wasn't bad. He was kind of like mediocre pedestrian. His first game as an NFL starter, right? So he didn't expect him to be super good, but he wasn't that bad. He didn't lose you the game. Your defense and Stephon Gilmore giving up a huge play at the end of the game. You just can't give that up no matter what, getting beat that way. Especially, I mean, Terry McLaurin saw that he was playing up on him, just got behind him. Gilmore closed on him nicely, but still couldn't make the play against Terry McLaurin. You can't give that up if you're Stephon Gilmore. And so ultimately, Washington literally just takes this game away from, from Indianapolis. And that's not the type of game you come back from if you're Frank Reich. In my opinion, he should be gone. I, I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. But maybe by the time I post this episode, he'll be gone. And then the question becomes, who's your starting quarterback for Indianapolis going forward? And is it Matt Ryan? Or do you stick with Sam Ellinger? That's going to be something interesting that we're going to find out. Another game that uh, we talked about with a lot of excitement the last time these two teams played, and they played on Monday night the last time they played, is San Francisco and the Rams. And I got this one right, too. San Francisco blows them out. The Rams just are not in the same class this year. I told you also it was going to be a home game, essentially, for... The Niners, it was in LA. Everyone traveled. There are no real LA fans. So everyone traveled. It was a sea of red. There were so many videos out on social media. And it turns out Christian McCaffrey is great at football. He throws for a touchdown, catches a touchdown, runs for a touchdown. That's the triple crown. Not a lot of guys have done that in history. Not a lot of guys do that very often. And now at four and four, it feels like there's a real Super Bowl contender. Yeah, maybe San Francisco is only four and four. But it feels like this team is an actual Super Bowl contender, even though they're only four and four. I guess I should say only four and four because of the additions they made to this team. This defense looks like they're really good. They, for the first time, held Cooper Cup, and he's insane. He played great. But for the first time, they held him under 100 yards in the last two seasons that they played against them. So here's the thing LA, I think Stafford's just done. Like, I still believe in Sean McVay. I still believe in this roster as a whole. Cooper Cup is insane, like I said. Aaron Donald, maybe he'll stay, maybe he'll go. Matthew Stafford, I just feel like, has checked out. He won his Super Bowl. He's fine now. Like He's like, I'm kind of hurt. I won my Super Bowl. Maybe this year just isn't the year. I still think they'll be a competitive team. They're not going to give up on a coach like Sean McVay. I think they'll be competitive throughout the remainder of the season. I just don't think they're a team that's going to win anything this year. It's kind of like they pushed all their chips in last year to win that Super Bowl. They got it. We talked about this so many times. And now this year is going to be a regression. They can get back to their winning ways next year. The following years, they'll build back up. I truly believe they will. But at this point, they got what they wanted out of last season. And now we're seeing the effects of that. And San Francisco, by the way, might be doing the same thing. They're pushing all their chips in this year to try and win a Super Bowl this year. You can't blame them. They go out and get Christian McCaffrey. Like I said, they, to me, are a real Super Bowl contender from the NFC. But they're still only 4-4, and so we'll have to see where that goes moving forward. Sunday Night Football. And uh, by the way, if you're keeping track going into Sunday night, I was eight and five in my picks because I got that pick right with 
the Rams and the Niners. I got the pick right with Washington. I got the pick right with Tennessee and Houston. So I was riding high going into Sunday night football and the Packers covered. Big win for the Packers. Ten and a half point dogs on the road on Sunday night football in prime time with Aaron Rodgers. And they cover. They only lose by 10, 27 to 17. Wow, big victory lap for Aaron Rodgers. But seriously, Aaron Rodgers at this point is hurting the team and it's because of his negative energy. For a guy who's so into all these positive vibes and all these different things that he talks about, he is the most negative guy. And on the field, when he makes a mistake because he underthrew a guy, he had a man wide open. I think it was Dobbs and he underthrew him. And yeah, Dobbs still could have made the catch, but Aaron Rodgers underthrew him maybe by seven yards. He had to slow down and allow the defense to catch up. And then you're making faces and throwing your arms up and rolling your eyes at your wide receiver after that. His energy, when he looks at the offensive line, everything they do is hurting this team. So when they don't convert, they go for a big fourth down early in the game and they don't convert. He's rolling his eyes and he's walking off the field pissed off. Everyone sees that. Everyone's looking at you. You're the quarterback. You're supposed to be the leader of this team. You cannot be doing that in the NFL. You just can't do that. And Aaron Rodgers is now costing his team games, not only because of his play, because he's not playing great. And we excuse his play because the offensive line is not great. The wide receivers are awful. Yeah, we keep excusing his play, but his attitude right now is hurting the team more than anything. And we talked about how he was going to have to swallow his pride, swallow his ego, and they were going to have to run the ball more if they wanted to win games. And they wanted to run the ball early. They tried to run the ball early in the game with Aaron Jones, but give credit to the Bills. The Bills stopped them early enough in the game, got a 14-point lead, and then at that point, you had no choice but to start throwing the ball. And at that point, the game was over. Once you started throwing the ball, eventually, yeah, you get a lot a late touchdown, but you lose 27-17, and like I said, the Bills, maybe not overly impressive in this game, but they didn't have to be. Josh Allen maybe missed a couple throws that you wouldn't want him to miss in this game. They had some more opportunities to pile on. They didn't need to, though. They win the game by 10. It felt like a pretty easy cruise to victory for Buffalo against Green Bay, and that doesn't happen often, and now... I'm 9-5 and five on my picks, but Aaron Rodgers and the Packers really need to figure it out. I don't even know if they're going to try and salvage this season with getting a wide receiver. I don't know where you go from here if you're the Packers. It's gone from ugly to bad to worse. All right, Monday Night Football. I'm so excited that I did not give away my pick on the Friday episode. So now it's Monday. You're listening to this, and you're like, hey, I wonder who he's picking on Monday Night Football before this Monday Night game. Well, I have it for you. The game is Cincinnati at Cleveland, if you don't know. Um, The AFC North, they always play each other close. So even if you're Pittsburgh and you stink this year, or you're the Ravens and you're pretty good, but you always play sloppy games, or if you're Cleveland and you're still waiting for your star quarterback to get back, or you're Cincinnati, who looks like they're finally starting to figure it out, you're always going to play close games against each other. And Nick Chubb is incredible. He's really good. Cleveland right now has been pretty competitive despite being 2-5. and They've looked like a really competitive team. And there's no Jamar Chase for the Bengals. So the line is Cincinnati minus three and a half on the road. They expect it to be a close game. I get it. I thought it would be minus six and a half, but it's minus three and a half. So I'm going to take Cincinnati. And it's not because I don't believe in Nick Chubb. It's not because Cleveland has been blown out despite their record being five and two. They've been pretty close. It's not because I don't think this will be a close game. I think this will actually be a pretty fun competitive game. But the Bengals offense looks like it's finally starting to click. looks like it's finally starting to come together. And for Cincinnati to have this offense at this time, even without Jamar Chase, I still think T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, those guys will do enough. And Joe Mixon with Joe Burrow, and they'll win this game. They'll find a way to win this game and cover win by a touchdown against Cleveland in Cleveland on Monday Night Football. All right, I'm going to give you my tiers of teams 
in the NFL, and we've been talking for a while, so I'm going to run through it quickly because I do have a couple more things I want to get to. It's actually kind of funny. Whenever I talk, I'm like, yeah, I start looking at the clock around this time, around 40 minutes. I'm like, I got to hurry up a little bit. I don't love, like to me, my podcast, because it's so low and because of a bunch of different things, I do want it to be within 40 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes, not that much more than that. Um, That's just personal preference. I think if you're listening to someone, one person talk for, I don't know, an hour and two hours straight, you're not really going to do that. But 45 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour, I feel like that's still a good range. Uh, So once I start seeing like 40 minutes, I start looking at the clock and then I feel like sometimes I don't give enough attention to the segments I saved for later. But uh, this one, because I really talked about every team so far, going through the tiers should not take too long. I have the tiers as follows. Number one tier is the Super Bowl. Who can actually actually legitimately win a Super Bowl? And there's more teams than that, but there are three teams, I think, in the NFL that are like, okay, if the Super Bowl was played today, they could win, be in it and win it. Um, and that is Buffalo, Kansas City, and Philadelphia, like we talked about all episode. The AFC is loaded. Kansas City obviously didn't play this week. Philadelphia is 7-0. and They're undefeated. They're the only team, like I talked about. Yeah, San Francisco is pretty good, but they're 4-4, four and four, so they're a little bit iffy. Buffalo... Like we said, there's you can't say much more about them. They've been so good. They beat the Packers on Sunday night. Uh, in Kansas City, they get the week off. They lost to Buffalo, but that's the only team that they really had a bad loss to, right? So Kansas City, Buffalo, and Philly are my three Super Bowl contenders. Then I have contenders, teams that are definitely look like they're playoff contenders and probably could go on a run in the playoffs because, like we know, football, anything can happen once you get into the playoffs. At San Francisco, like we said, San Francisco right now, 4-4, four and four, but they look like they're really going for it and they could actually win the Super Bowl this year. Their defense looks good. The offense is coming together. And at the end of the day, it feels like every time they're there at the end of the year, they made it to the Super Bowl with Garoppolo. We know he's not the best quarterback, but they made it back to the NFC Championship game with, that, with him last year. I could see them making a run. I could see them beating Philly and ultimately ending up in the Super Bowl. The next one is Seattle. Seattle is the leader of that division. And like I said, they're three and five. They're five and three. And Pete Carroll has looked good. And Geno Smith has looked good. Do I fully believe in them? Not entirely, but you can't hate on them yet because of how they've played. They beat the Giants who have a pretty good record. Minnesota. Minnesota, I have a huge question mark about because I don't think Minnesota has been awfully impressive. Like I said, we know they are not very good in prime time. They really got beat pretty bad by Philadelphia when they played them on that Monday night. But at the same time, they're seven and one. You can't question the record, right? So Minnesota, I like or the six and one. I'm not sure which one it is, but I like this team. Their only loss is to Philadelphia. It's hard to question them at this point. They're probably gonna win 11, 12 games, probably gonna win that division at this point with how the Packers are playing. It's just a matter of can Kirk Cousins get it done in the playoffs? I personally don't think he can. But when he plays the way he plays at one o'clock on Sundays, if he can do that in the playoffs, they are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. The next team is Dallas. Talked about them earlier in the episode also. Dallas, like I said, has all the talent in the world. The question is, will their Dallas cowboyness of them ultimately cost them with Jerry Jones, with Mike McCarthy, with Super Bowl, with quarterback controversies, with running back controversies, all that stuff? Will that end up costing them in the playoffs? Maybe not. Maybe yes. Hard to know. That's why they're not in the Super Bowl tier, but they are in the contenders tier. The next, I have the Giants. Like I said, 6-2. and two. But this team can be coached into a victory against anyone. Yes, the talent can lose to anyone. And I still believe that this team can lose to anyone in the NFL because their talent is not on par with some of the best teams in the NFL. But this team, how well prepared they are and how well coached they are, they can beat anyone in the NFL on any given Sunday. And that's why they are in the contenders category. Next is Tennessee. Tennessee is going to win the division. Tennessee is going to be a top three seed in the AFC. The question is what happens when we get to the playoffs. 
Also, Cincinnati is in this. I think, like I said, they're starting to come together. We'll see what happens. I would put them in the Super Bowl category if they win tonight. So if we see what they look like without Jamar Chase on Monday Night Football, then I can move them up into the Super Bowl category and I'd have three AFC teams and only one NFC team in that Super Bowl category. But right now I have them in the contenders, along with the Baltimore Ravens, another team in that division who beat Cincinnati in a weird game, obviously a sloppy game. The Ravens seem to only win sloppy games, but they go into Tampa, they win that game. So Baltimore has looked pretty good. We'll see what happens next week on Monday Night Football in New Orleans. I think they should win that game also. And if that game goes well, uh, then we could start talking about them as legitimate Super Bowl contenders as they are still in first place in the AFC North. Here are the pretenders. Teams that maybe you thought they were contenders. Maybe it seems like they can make the playoffs, but they're fake. And number one is my Jets. Five and two, you probably had them in the contenders category where you're saying, hey, you can't discredit them, but... Right now, like I said, they're a couple of weeks away from being 5-5 five and five and on a downward spiral, and I think we're going to get to that point with this team, so I have them in the pretenders category. Miami also. They win this week against Detroit, but they were not overly impressive in that game. I still think there are a lot of questions for this team. I still think they're recovering from everything that surrounded them. Yeah, there's a lot of season to go, so there's plenty of time for them to right the ship and move into that contenders category, but right now I have them as pretenders. And also the LA Chargers, they had the bye week this week. They're 4-3. and three. Everyone thought they were a really good team coming into the year. They haven't played up to that level, but still they're four and three. So a pretty good record. There is some talent on that team. We'll see where that leads them. Ultimately, this defense is supposed to be better than it's played. Justin Herbert is supposed to be better than he played. Austin Eckler has been as good as advertised so far this season. Do you really trust this head coach? I don't. So I have them in the pretenders category. And herein lies the problem with the NFL because I have mediocre category and I have the hot garbage category. And we're only 14 teams in. And what everyone has complained about this season with the NFL season and the season being quote unquote bad is because there are so many bad teams in the NFL this year and really more mediocre teams than ever. And I'll run through it. 10 teams that I think are mediocre. The Rams, the Cardinals, the Falcons, New Orleans, Chicago, Washington, Denver, the Colts, Cleveland, and New England. All those teams, they're not bad teams. They're not hot garbage. Some of them are better than they've played. Some of them are worse than they've played, but they're all just blah. They're all just mediocre teams. Like Atlanta has played better than expected. I think New England has played better than they should be playing. Their record is better than they actually are. Denver, I think everyone had high expectations for them. Same thing. You look at the Rams, though. They were supposed to be a good team this year. Arizona was supposed to be a good team this year. Indianapolis was supposed to be a good team this year. And this is why the NFL is struggling right now. Struggling, quote unquote, because they're still getting numbers. This is why people are complaining about the season because teams like that have been underperforming. Can Cleveland pull themselves out of that if they win a couple of games and stay relevant, like we talked about for when Deshaun Watson comes back? Sure, but right now, two and five, they might be two and six after tonight. I don't know. It's not looking good for them. And finally, we have the hot garbage category, which number one is Pittsburgh. Like I told you, Pittsburgh stinks. Don't be fooled by a couple of good games against teams in the division or Tom Brady, because we know Mike Tomlin plays well against his division and plays well against Tom Brady. They're still a really bad team, and we saw that against the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. Las Vegas, at this point, I'm writing them off. They are such a bad team. Every time we think they're going to turn it around, every time it looks like Derek Carr is actually capable, every time it looks like Josh Jacobs is a decent quarterback, they stink. The Green Bay Packers are finally in this list, too. Enough is enough. Like I said, I don't even know what the next step is for the Packers. The Detroit Lions, did you see the picture of the guy who was standing by three yards offside in the game on Sunday? I don't know. It was going around Twitter. There was a side angle, and he's just literally standing like three yards 
Like he's almost closer to the quarterback than he is to where the ball is. Not actually, but you get the point. It was just awful. Only bad teams do stuff like that. Tampa Bay is in this category too. I told you Todd Bowles is not a great coach. This team is not very well coached at all. Um, And Tom Brady just doesn't look like the same guy anymore. He's 45. I don't blame him, but he just doesn't look like it. And so I have Tampa. They still might win that division, but that doesn't make them a better team in my opinion because that division also has Carolina, who I have in this category. And then the other South division, so the two, the AFC and the NFC South, just awful divisions. Jacksonville and Houston are also here, both garbage teams. And it's kind of funny because I think I said on the last episode, I'm so done with that division. I think it was in regards to the AFC South, not the NFC South, but both divisions I could have been talking about. And I was wondering if it's June and I have a choice, I could have football on, right? The middle of June, middle of July, those dead months when you're craving football so much. It's either the Jets inventing ways to lose against the Patriots or I have to watch that division like the set, the AFC or NFC South and that's all I get to watch. The other option is no football. I take watching the Jets invent ways to lose over and over. I take watching a Colts game against the Jaguars over and over because football's king. It's that great. But we do have some other sports to talk about and I'll wrap it up with that. The World Series game three is tonight. And this is what Philly had to do. It's all they had to do against San Diego was get a split in San Diego. And they did it. They got a split. They have the comeback in game one. I think Houston is still the better team. Houston can definitely win on the road. They've proven that. They've only lost one game so far in these in this postseason. But hey, Philly got what they wanted. Now, do you want a better outing from your best starting pitcher? Especially when you're up 1-0. Going into game two, up 1-0 in this series. And it's like, now you have a chance to take a chokehold on this series by winning with your best starting pitcher on the mound on the road. You get to go home up 2-0. Yeah, you would have liked that. But like I said, you can't complain. And Houston, I mean, to me, it's just crazy at this point. Like, do they feel they need to cheat? Like, they got to the World Series, and now it's like they don't know how to win without cheating? Houston, to me, is by far the better team in this World Series. So why are you trying to cheat? Whether it's Maldonado's bat, whether it's Farmer Valdez and the sticky stuff that he's clearly using. And I don't care what anyone says. He is definitely using sticky stuff. Everything, he keeps wiping his arm. And before he goes to the dugout, you see him trying to wipe something off his jersey, off his pants to get it off of him before he gets his hand checked on the way back to the dugout. He is definitely using something. There is no doubt in my mind that he's using something. And while I think sticky stuff should be allowed, I don't think it should be banned. I don't think it's necessarily cheating. The second they banned it, it becomes cheating. So he's cheating. And the leaning into the hit by pitch at the end of game one, like you're, you're such a good team. You don't need to cheat to win. Maybe somebody needs to tell Houston, you guys are actually really good. You're the best team now. But they haven't won a World Series since 17. That was the year they were cheating. I told you this was the revenge tour for them. And I still think they're going to win this World Series and find a way to come back and win. But why can't they just do it without cheating? Would it be that difficult for them? Apparently, the answer is yes. But Philly, they've been money at home in the playoffs. And they've been leaning on Real Muto, leaning on Harper, leaning on Castellanos, leaning on Hoskins, leaning on Schwarber. Those guys have come through time and time again. It's going to be wild in Philadelphia tonight. Game three, Syndergaard and McCullers, two guys who both have World Series experience. It's going to be a fun game to watch in the World Series game two. So look forward to that. And that series overall has been a pretty fun series. Lastly, uh, I do want to talk about a couple topics in the NBA because yesterday evening I was watching the Knicks and Mike Breen kept saying this from the moment that game started Donovan Mitchell had that look in his eye where he's like I am going to get you and only the best players in the world have that look 
Obviously, when you talk about guys like Kobe and Michael and LeBron and even KD and Steph Curry in some games, Giannis has that where he just gets that look in their eye. And Donovan Mitchell put himself in that category last night where he felt like, I am going to beat this team and there's nothing anyone can do to stop me because I'm angry and I want to beat this team and I want to prove a point. And he did that in that game. And my father right now told me uh, that he wants to take Donovan Mitchell for MVP. And now he only watched that one game. But like I said, he was right on the Geno comeback season. So I kind of trust him right now. And if you look, Donovan Mitchell to win MVP, he has the 10th best odds in the league and he's plus 3000. So if you put $100 on Donovan Mitchell today to win MVP, you'd make $3000 if he actually wins MVP. I like that bet. Uh I'm going to take that bet. I'm going to trust my father. The Knicks for all I talked about about have them having a run stopper at the end of that game. They it was just bad defense down the stretch. It was just a bad job by them. And you have to hunt games like that sometimes in the NBA where and then you know, there was the, the offensive foul on Julius Randle. And once the bleeding started, it couldn't stop. How many four-point plays is Kevin Love going to have in one game? It's just ridiculous enough. Um, but um, you have games like that. It doesn't change anything I said. It's kind of funny that last week I said that they have the run stopper and Jalen Brunson on their team. Uh, so it's funny, I guess, that I said that last week. And then they have a game like that this week, uh, the way they did against the Cavs and Donovan Mitchell. But I don't think that changes anything. I still like what I'm seeing from this next team so far. Um, all right. Also in the NBA, we have the Lakers and Russell Westbrook at their first win. And Russell Westbrook, him dancing after he he puts that reverse or whatever, he switched hands in midair and the lefty layup and the celebration like they like they won something for real. I mean, it's literally that meme of Patrick Beverly dancing. It's funny. Pat Bev is now on that team, but it's like him dancing after the Timberwolves beat the beaten up Clippers in the uh, play-in game last year. It's literally that. Um, <laughs> to me, it's just kind of funny that they, they think they're that good uh, because they won one game in the NBA. They beat a pretty good team, right? They beat uh, Denver, but still, come on. Uh, act like you've been there. It's a win. It's one win. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about in the NBA, just something to look out for the entire season because I tweeted this out and they are going to be one of my league pass teams. And as a Knicks fan, I'm supposed to be an Indiana Pacers hater. But unfortunately... There are two guys in this team, and I've talked about Halliburton from the time that I wanted the Knicks to draft him over Obi Toppin. I've talked about uh, Matherin since I was doing draft prep last year. And in my opinion, that is the best backcourt or is going to be the best backcourt within a few years in the NBA. They are so much fun to watch. Halliburton, his, uh, just his presence on the court, his court vision. He's a big guy, big, tall point guard. So talented, has great vision. He's a great ball handler. Um, and then you have Halliburton or sorry, Matherin, who I mean, Benedict Matherin is so much fun to watch his defense and the way he gets up on people. He's an incredible sharp three point shooter. And then his athleticism, some of the dunks he's thrown down. Absolutely insane. If you haven't watched them yet, go check them out. Go watch them. And this is exactly what I talk about. I talked about this a while ago when you double down on your mistakes. I talked about it with the Yankees, who I didn't think I was going to mention them this episode. But here I go again. Um, doubling down on your mistakes. When you make a mistake, you don't have to compound it. And that was another thing that the Kings did. They had Halliburton. They drafted Halliburton, but because they gave the contract to De- uh, De'Aaron Fox, they felt like they had to keep him. So they make the trade to get DeMontis Sabonis. The Sabonis trade allows um, Indiana to tank and ultimately to get Matherin the way they got him. So instead of having maybe you the Kings had Matherin and Halliburton right now, but because they needed to 
go, stand by the mistake that they made of giving the contract to De'Aaron Fox. They they had to they couldn't be wrong about that, so they go ahead and they trade away Halliburton because you can't have a guy who's better than the guy that you're paying so much money to. No, that would be terrible. Um, just you know, you can't do that. If you're in the if you're a professional sports team, sometimes you have to eat your mistakes and say, okay, I made a mistake, admit it when you're wrong, and move on. Uh, but that's all I got for today. Like I said, I love Indiana. Indiana. We know that uh, the Kings are a terrible franchise, so no need to talk about that anymore. Um, as always, if you are a fan of the podcast, the best thing you could do to help me is to rate, review, like, subscribe, all those good things. Follow us on social media, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all those good things as well. And of course, share the podcast with a friend. And if you need someone to talk to, let's say your team is the Jets and they keep inventing ways to lose and they're pissing you off beyond any belief, uh, go to betterhelp.com. Use my name, Rami, R-A-M-I, for 10% off your first month. That'll help me and help the podcast. So like I said, like, subscribe, share it. And until next time, see you guys later. You were the best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines. I miss the way that you move and the way I get high When you take me to your eyes Like I'm standing in the sky I see your subway cars and your old graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go Change it up, oh, oh, oh. always on my road. I'm still New York. You're the only oh, oh, oh. that I'll ever know. Oh, oh. My concrete walls. I'm still New York. I'm still New York. Ooh. Oh, I'm still New York. Yeah. And I wanna drive down Riverside. See the birds flying on the high line With the sidewalks burning, we pray for rain in July I want the Yankees 99 yeah. And the Knicks yeah. on a sold out night When the curtains close and the Broadway streets are alive hey. I need your heartbeat close, don't you ever leave me And I breathe your air when I land in another city And I'll be that one that's got you Sit on my bones